0: I would like to now introduce our guest speaker for this morning, our very own Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron.
1: I am deep and I'm wide and I'm strong. Where's Amy? Did I get it? Oh, honey. (laughs) Woo! Give me God bumps. Alright, so if you'd like to stand and, and sing a song, and we'll say a prayer. And continue in this vibration that's already been laid down of beauty. In this very room. Your spirit, one spirit is in in this very room, in this very room, in this very
0: room.
1: And I invite you to know with me in this moment. This prayer that we share is a decision, and this decision is how we impress upon this infinite intelligence an idea that this nature of the divine responds always in the affirmative. And so what I know is I'm mindful of this moment, what I impress upon this infinite intelligence, what I consistently bring to it moment by moment, day after day, week after week, month after month. What I know in this moment is I am affirming and knowing that every good thing necessary for you and I to experience life completely in the I am consciousness is here now. There's no earning. There's no, no meritocracy. There is nothing to achieve. There's no approval necessary. It simply requires a yes. So my yes this day is knowing that the divine accord and the divine plan I choose In this moment, to be guided and directed, resourced and supplied in every good way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I choose a prosperous life. I choose a healthy body, a healthy, clear mind, and a a deep, deep relationship in the I am consciousness of the being of my nature, the source of all life. I choose to be a light upon this planet. And all that is required for you to be part of that is yes. And so I celebrate your yes in every good way, and it varies in in characteristic and quality and nature from mine. I support it in every good way as it gives birth to that which is seeking expression. We are that portal of the beloved. So for this I give thanks, knowing every good thing is already here. I celebrate the music, the musicians, the vibration of the Most High, this beautiful, vibrant, dynamic community that continues to call forth the highest and the best. Knowing that something powerful and wonderful is having its way by means of each and every one of us, I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. I just want to keep saying. Amy, you, you, you angel of God's presence. I'm going to invite our teens up before I get into my. Uh, I'm going to, oh, that's right. I'm going to invite our oldest teen up right now, David Brown. David.
0: Okay, I would just start off by just asking you to hold your applause to the end. We just kind of want to say thank you to the congregation for a wonderful weekend we had last weekend. And basically, uh, so hold your applause to the end, and I'm going to start by introducing Rydell. And she is a strong love, confident, and lively. She has created an amazing life for herself through her experiences. She is awesome. No, we got to hold
1: our applause. We can just, uh, that's an air applause. We can send love this way. There we
0: go. And then big applause at the end. Okay. It's good theater. Saskia, this person is confident, beautiful, happy, smiley. This person is Saskia Rebecca Bromwell-Blessing. And she is awesome. And we love her. We support her. And she loves hugs and massages. So please feel free. Okay, so we're just going to introduce the rest of them to you. So here's Sarah. She's got a passion for language, arts, and volleyball. Optimism is her strong suit, and she's got loads of love to give. Sarah loves hugs. She's a confident leader and strives to be a social worker. Doesn't she look amazing? Thanks, Sarah. And Skyler is next. He loves WWE, and he wants to be a WWE superstar. He likes th- and he likes hip-hop music. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Megan is strong, nice, funny, happy, smart, thoughtful, and she wants to be a nurse. She's a loving, strong person who wants to raise awareness for child labor. And here is Jessie, a confident young lady whose smile lights up a room and often laughs and sounds like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> She has a fun, loving, outgoing girl and, she, and is really honest. All you have to do is ask. She loves to swim and works very hard at it. She enjoys not only hugs, but lots of massages. Next is Taylor Ray. She has a wonderful spirit. She is always smiling. She loves hugs, music, her, and her flute. Band, cadet, cadets, school, but, but of course, teen group. She is full of confidence and joy, and she lives life to the fullest. And next is Ken. He loves Beethoven and Chopin, the Oilers, the Detroit Tigers, Motown, Siamese Cats, his dog Emma, the soprano saxophone, Junior Walker, and Great Danes. Sandra is a practitioner who believes in living from ease, grace, and joy. She loves her children, husband, and family time. Creativity is an important part of her life as she bakes, does crafts, and teaches school. Helping out a teen group helps her keep her centered and on track. David is a fun-loving guy. He loves to hug you and he's always looking for a way to make you laugh. Squirrel. (laughs) And of course, here's Catherine, a woman of strength, wisdom, and personal power. She's a creative thinker who can strategize as well as think on her feet and go with the flow. An intuitive visionary with big dreams. A good friend. She likes to have fun, loves to travel, and learn about lots of things. Our
1: teens and teen advisors. Yeah.
0: So here are only a few of our lovely teens and advisors that participated in our amazing weekend that we had last weekend. We had a total of 19 people at camp, including teens and advisors, which is an amazing turnout for us. Our theme this year was here we grow again. And boy, did we grow a lot. One of the ways we got to express our growth was through a workshop called the Spiritual Fashion Show. Here we got to freely express our spiritual selves in a comfortable, loving environment. So that's what we did through the catwalk here. And just to give you a little bit of a sample of how that workshop worked for us. We'd like to give thanks to our congregation for your unconditional love and support and for providing for us, because you guys do a lot for us. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Oh, what a great day, huh? If I, if I were a member of this congregation and come to the first service, I'd be coming to the second one too. So I just want to let you know, if you're here for two. Word got out that I did two different talks last week, so I got, somebody got me in a little bit of trouble, but it'll be okay. <laughs> so what, what we saw here a moment ago, and what we've seen all morning, why we get together is, has been based on a decision. Someone years and years and years ago decided that they were um, going to have a community like this, and it was a group of, of committed individuals that decided to do that, and they planted a seed. And I've been using Dr. Raymond Charles Barker's book, The Power of Decision, to, to kind of build a, the, the conversations over the last couple of weeks. And this week is called The Power of Decision. And it's a wonderful chapter in the book. I think this is, as I read it over, I started reading it, and I've read the chapter now probably half a dozen times, and I found myself highlighting the whole chapter so I knew it needed to stop highlighting because it was like, oh, my gosh, there's a great idea. But Barker, in this book, and and what he does is he talks about decision, and then he takes decision to depths of understanding and perception that I think are really powerful. Because we talk about changing our minds and changing our lives, and that's true. This is what this teaching is based on, and it's such a simple idea. And yet, it is one of the most difficult, uh, it's not easy, it's a challenge. So Barker says, he begins the chapter by saying, decision is the most important function of the individual mind. Decision is the most important function of the individual mind. Having made a decision, every right idea will flow into my consciousness is what his knowing is about that. So that's what he follows that with. I've made a decision to do the following thing, and every right idea is showing up in my awareness. He says the creative process awaits your decision and your calm acceptance of the necessary work on your part following the decision. So we take it from the theoretical into action. But he also, I love it, he says, it's the calm acceptance. I've made this decision. So it's not about manipulation. It's about, it's about having enough clarity of, of awareness to invite the idea that it is seeking expression. As Dr. Ken Gordon said in that, that beautiful talk I, I shared with you last week, or was it last week or two weeks ago, about I don't know. You know, we don't know. This is what we're called to do, but we don't know. We don't have the answers. We think sometimes we have the answers, but we don't know. Well, I think this is a, is a wonderful thing, and, there's, and, and I'll talk about that, because at the end of this chapter, Barker talks about loopholes. Loopholes are a nice thing to have in, in, the, in the way he describes it. He talks about knowing hundreds of people that have proven this larger, he talks about the I am consciousness, and hundreds of people that he has known that have proven the I am consciousness to be the turning point in their lives, to be the turning point in their lives. It reversed their whole basis of making decisions. They ceased to worship their past. They, ca- they ceased their fear of the future. They canceled out all fear of death. They decided to be cause to their world because they now realized that they were their world. They were no longer people experimenting with life, they were life experiencing life. The I am consciousness, life experiencing life. Subtle shift. People experiencing life or life with a capital L experiencing life from that sense of of awareness and that sense of being, that sense of sacred. This is why we call it the Center for Spiritual Living. We believe it's possible for all of us to live grounded in the foundation of a spiritual life. And we do that over time. It's incremental. He continues, They were their own saviors and their own saints. And they are. They need no messiahs. So when we go to Easter, we're not celebrating. I mean, we are, we are honoring the, the life of the avatar and the, and the great teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. But we are honoring as well to, to bring forth that Christ consciousness within all of us. And as you read scripture and as you read what Jesus had to share, he was, he was saying that. That was his gift. That is part of his legacy. Barker says, knowing themselves in God, as God, they place no lesser God before themselves. Not so for the materialist. The materialist needs his other gods. He needs gods out there. He needs others to show him the way, to promise him salvation. He needs a heaven and a hell to frighten him into behaving with sense. I always tell people, you know, they say, "I, you know, I haven't been here for six months. I'm sorry." I said, "Well, no, I don't have hell to send you to, so I'm glad you're here today." We just don't, we just don't do life that way. We don't do our teaching that way. You are here because you choose to be here. You got up this morning and decided to get dressed. And as I always tell Bruce when he shows up with a really spectacular outfit. Obviously, you had the lights on this morning when you got dressed. But you decided to come here. You made a decision to be here. The materialist needs to believe that someone else is greater than he is. He needs another person's model, pattern, and plan. The I am consciousness frees you from this, all this. It causes you to emerge into the larger consciousness wherein you are the all, and the all is what you are. You are willing to, do, to be your own heaven and your own hell. You know you are your own redeemer, out of the old into the new. You seek not heaven by another man's route. You are the heaven you seek, and you awaken unto it, realizing your eternal experience in it. It has never left you, but you have closed your eyes to it. And now your eyes of perception are opened, and that which you never left is seen. At night when you sleep, you dream the dream. And in the morning you awaken to the bed in the bedroom you never left. And the dream may have been pleasant or horrendous, but you never left the bedroom or the bed. And the metaphor he's using there is that we we are always grounded in in our being. And we will have experiences in our own, uh, Toltec call it the dream, as as well as the Eastern traditions, the Maya, falling asleep in the dream. My, my pattern over the last several uh, years has been of, of blocks of sleep, which I always thought was a failure because it was very difficult for me to sleep eight hours at a time. And typically on a Saturday night and early Sunday morning, I'm up and down a bunch of times. So I got up and I was reading. I went on the Internet. I was looking for some, some ideas. And, and uh, I was reading Barker. I just read this part. I picked it up and I read a piece of it. And so that was alive in my awareness. And then all of a sudden I read that Barack Obama has Irish descendants. I thought, oh, that's cool. And so I went back to sleep, and when I went back to sleep, I had a dream that I was on Barack Obama's staff at the White House. It was really cool. And I would come in, and I'd, I'd, and I'd share science of mind with him. I'd share him the power of decision stuff, and he'd go, that's amazing stuff, I've got to hear more of this. And I thought, this is great. So I'm, I'm telling Laurie in my dream that I'm on Obama's staff now, and he's really excited, I'm teaching him the science of mind, and he's on fire with it. And, and then he started telling me Irish jokes. And I thought... <laughs> Because I went and I, I was reading a whole list of Irish jokes, so obviously it was alive in my consciousness. It wasn't Obama. But this is the story. This is the dream I was in. And I thought, isn't this a wonderful dream? Because it actually was one of those dreams that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. <clears throat> so Obama, Obama said that there was an Irishman sitting in the living room, and, he, and his wife could hear him in there. And she said, Are you spitting into the spittoon next to the fireplace? And he said, No, I'm not, but I'm getting closer. And of course, I knew the joke, but Obama told me the joke, so I had to laugh at it anyway. But it was great. It was a great example. I've got a cell phone number, I'm gonna call it after service, see if it's the right number. <laughs> Barker says to say I am consciousness is to state that what you are as individuality, it is a self-definition in the timeless, spaceless sense. It has neither name nor number, it needs neither location nor means. It is completeness. It includes all process, but is not process. It is pure being. It opens a trapdoor to infinity and eternity. It knows no dimension and does not need them. It operates by means of them, but is never conditioned by them. It is the you that you are. It is not the you that your educated consciousness has taught you as being. It is what you are in God. And this is the relationship. This is what we stand for as a tradition. By spiritual awakening, we improve the quality of our lives and we improve the quality of everyone around us by living and, make, and deciding to live from that perspective because it's what we are anyway. He talks about purpose. At the center of your consciousness is a purpose, but not a plan. The purpose of that of the infinite mind aware of itself, thereby having consciousness. This consciousness is the purpose of your being. It is why you are what you are as consciousness. It has nothing to do with what you are at the fact level. This you have self-determined and experienced. You've made choices along the way that have brought you to this point of your, your life experience. But it is not who you are. It's the facts of who you are, and facts change all the time. When you decide that this is what you really are, the purpose is known to you and you perceive yourself as a continuum of thought and feeling directing your experience world with volition. You're, you plan your own plan for there is no one to plan it for you. You select the ideas from your own experience for besides you as a selector, there is none other. There is none other. So it's the idea. The paradox is, is that we all think we want to know our purpose, which is to, for many people's a career or it's a place in life or it's a, it's a number that we measure. And what Barker is suggesting is that Jesus said it: seek ye first the kingdom, and all else shall be added on. It's right there. What do you mean by that? To understand our I am, I am consciousness. To do that work, and then the awarenesses the, the, propel. Then we're then we're pulled by a dream. Then what wants to have experience in our life is made known. And our choices change. Everything that brought me to this teaching that I wanted to achieve has changed since I got into it. Everything. But I needed those things to bring me in. I had to have that longing, that divine discontent, but I didn't realize what I was searching for was that, that deep, intimate relationship with spirit. But when we understand that's our purpose, it frees us to continue to do the spiritual work. Continue to do our practice. To Continue to decide who we are. To decide, I am prosperous. I am a, a living expression of a prosperous individual on this planet because Spirit is having its way by means of me and guiding me and informing me in every decision that I make. I am vibrantly physically healthy because Spirit is supporting me in that decision. And, and on and on and on, all the areas. I have wonderful, powerful relationships. I'm attracting powerful, wonderful ideas into my experience. It's one of the reasons that I put my name forward to be a part of this board. I kept wanting to pull myself out. I said, oh, I got, I got enough stuff to do. I'm busy, busy, busy. And I said, stop that because I wanted to be part of a different conversation. I wanted to see what's happening. It's very interesting. I was, I was saying, sharing at the first service that everything that's happening locally here is happening in our larger organization. And it's wonderful stuff. It's very healthy because all of a sudden we're realizing that if we're going to do this, that we've got we've to change our game. We've got to raise our expectations. The world needs this teaching. The world needs consciousness of this nature because it is so easy to get lost in the, in the world of facts and effects and say, oh my God, there's not enough. There's not enough this, there's not enough that and, and we hate one another. I was watching a movie uh, yesterday with Laura, the, um, the Tree of Life with Brad Pitt and it's done by Terrence Malick and Malick is notorious for you know taking years and years and years to, to do films and I'll have to watch it a dozen more times to figure it out. But in it, the beginning of it, he says that we have to decide whether we're going to live by grace or by nature. And I thought, hmm. And then I actually went on Wikipedia to get more information because there's a little bit of a synopsis there explaining it because so I wanted to make sure it was clear about it. But it's, it's really what Barker's talking about. When we live by nature... Those are our impulses. We're tripwired for revenge. We're tripwired to hoard things because it makes us feel safer. We're tripwired because at that small-minded thinkingness, this is how nature survives and how it does things. Now, animals in nature don't take more than they need. It's unique to, to mankind. But by grace is a different vibration. It's a different knowing. And so what, what, as, we, as we start to embody this I am consciousness, all of a sudden we step into true intuition. And Barker says this, true intuition does not deal with getting It does not deal with getting. It deals with self-awareness. It is not the infinite seeking to give you more things. Most of us, as Barker says, don't need more things. They need a larger sense of self. A larger sense of self. We need to know what we are as pure consciousness. And only then can we make correct decisions based not on facts, things, or good judgment. These are for those who are not yet able to see that consciousness is reality and that we move as consciousness through consciousness, exploring consciousness and thereby experiencing consciousness. This is not negating the material world. It is seeing the material world as consciousness temporarily locked in form, but never limited to the form in which it is functioning. I was reading about Obama um, this morning because there was an article i him and I'm, you know, I'm kind of partial to Obama, so don't tell anybody. Though, no. but it said that he's going to raise. They think he'll raise close to a billion dollars for his reelection. I thought, man, that's a lot of money. And, and 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 I'm not even going to do whether it's right or wrong. But I just thought, and who says there's not enough? There's a billion dollars out there for an election. Somebody, somebody made a decision. Ask. And it shall be given. Knock and the door shall open. And it just seems like, couldn't we spend less money on this and actually do something more impactful? Let's limit everybody to 10 bucks and see how it comes out. You got $10 and you got $10. Now go ahead and have the election. Consciousness, the I am consciousness opens the trap door in the mind. And when you open it by knowing yourself as I am consciousness, new perceptions enter your arena of thinking. The mystic, he continues, trusts the process and proceeds in his unfoldment of consciousness without fear. So you know that you're a at in spirit when you're moving without fear. You know in who you are. Despite what's going on in your life, you're, you're grounded in that knowingness. He has faith in the creative process of mind. Intuition will not make you richer or happier. It will not bring you, you health if you're sick. That is not its function. It will lead you into yourself for an exploration of yourself from a higher viewpoint. What we teach is that we improve the quality of our lives by, with spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening is the higher viewpoint. It's a shift in perception. It is a great, it is a great givingness of con- conceptions. It cannot be wheeled, conjoled, or threatened. It never functions under tension. Its atmosphere is peace and self-appreciation. Peace and self appreciation. Its purpose is not to make you a better person, nor to save your soul, nor to redeem your sins. Such theological assumptions have nothing to do with this instruction. Intuition is the process by which you become aware of yourself, not as self, but as the allness and the fullness of being. The allness and the fullness of being. This is this is unique in the world. We look out and we look at people maintaining and, and established religions and the status quo, when, and that we pray and we pray to Jesus. I was watching a thing on Tom Harper's uh, Pagan Christ. He's done all this research that, you know, the whole story of, of Jesus and Nazareth actually comes from the Egyptian tradition. And his theory is that Jesus never lived. And he said the problem we have, and, one of the, and he's an Anglican church uh, uh, priest, he's been an Anglican priest for 40 years. He still has great... Because what he understands is the Christ consciousness. He hasn't given up his faith. He, just, he has shifted his perception of the Christ experience. And I'm not here to tell you whether it's true or not. But we're not attached to that. We don't know that Christ consciousness is possible because the Egyptians talked about it 2,000 years before Jesus ever showed up. That's the same consciousness. And they knew it. Your decision regarding... He says this to you. This is the loophole. Your decision regarding the near or distant future should always have a loophole in them. Always have a loophole. You can always change your mind. They should never be final. Place no false mortgages on the great business of living. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. That's why it says that banner. One of the first things we put up here was something wonderful is happening here. It's it's creating the the, the ingredients for something miraculous and powerful and wonderful to happen. And you have to measure, you have to look at the facts in your life to decide what's the next best step. But we can't let measuring the facts limit become our limitation. That's where the faith comes in. That's where the dipping deep into this I am consciousness is so powerful because see, we're not in this alone. We're not in this alone. And I forget at times, too. I remember when I was in Fillmore. I mean, it never changes. Well, I had a wonderful conversation with Reverend Ken Gordon this week, and we talked about community. And we talked about the dynamics of it. And exactly what he's going through as the spiritual leader in our organization is exactly what's going on for us. He said, you know, we have such a powerful, wonderful teaching. How do we empower and continue to train and continue to have Ministers and practitioners in our field that are alive and proving these principles dynamically and powerfully and wonderfully. I had coffee the other day with someone, and they sat down with me that has been in and out of this community and doesn't, it comes infrequently, and I love him. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, and he said, he sat down with me and described exactly what we train our practitioners to be. But he had taken a workshop somewhere else, and he got done describing it to me, and I said, it's exactly what we teach. I'm always amazed when a guest speaker will come in town, town and, and he'll stand up in front and say, "You know, we're all caused to our own experience." And then the next week, someone will come to me and say, "Wasn't it great that so and so was here?" And they said, "We're all caused to our own experience." Wow! Yeah, it was great. It's a, just interesting because we hear it and we experience it in different, and it's all good. It's all good. But when Dr. Ken and I were talking, he said, "Yeah, we're we're in the same. We're going through this transition of newness." And people, there's people that want to raise the bar. Some want to raise the bar so high it's scary for people. So Ken's very mindful. He said, how do we continue to do this? Because I want to be part of that conversation because I watch what's happened in my own experience with ministry. And I want, I want to give the best I have to, to, to creating the opportunities so that we, we... Why are we a niche little religion? little teaching? Maybe that's what we're supposed to be. But I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to share with as many people as possible and empower people by by up spiritually and understanding who they are. They're not broken. You are never the problem. You've never been the problem. Your thinking's the problem. I don't have any problems. My thinking's the problem. And when I get a handle on that and I and I and I make a decision that I'm gonna live a prosperous life, that I'm gonna live a healthy life, that I'm gonna live a loving life, that I'm gonna do all these things and make the decisions, as Barker says here, I don't need to know the how. I just get to show up with a what. I get to say, this is my experience. So, and, and, and to be open enough to, to embrace all of it, wherever it is, wherever love is showing up. It's either by nature or by grace. And we, we have the choice to live either one. It's a very confusing but compelling story in that tree of life. And it's the journey of a father and his boys and their experience with him. And, and he's very punitive and he's very rigid. And the mother's very nurturing. So she's living from grace and she's nurturing here. And the boys, because the father is so punitive and, and, and demanding, they begin to regret, uh, resent the mother because she's not intervening. But you know how that dynamic worked. It's in the 1950s. And this was what it was. And then at the end, he apologizes to his sons. He said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, it was so hard. I thought that was the way. And, and and the message I get from that is where am I hard on myself? You know, my dad was very similar to that. I I really connected with the message. My dad was very much like that. But I I, I can and I can carry that legacy forth in my life where I can just, I can choose to live from, from grace and make that decision. Barker says that when good when is good good? When is good good? End of the chapter. He says, Too many of the people whom this world labels as good are actually static, frightened people. Static, frightened people. They lack the courage to do wrong. This is not true goodness, as you will know. It is static consciousness maintaining the presence in the hopes that it is the answer. Only a mind with a creative goal is a sound mind, what I would call a good mind. To stand still in life and maintain the present with a battery of cliches is actually a disintegrating process. It may appear on the surface that this person is succeeding. They may be a model citizen, a devoted parent, in the epitome of character, but death is at work in their consciousness. And in rare moments they sense that it is all not well in their lives. The world has never been enriched by the standing still people of virtue. I love this. I really resonate with this. There's work, there's opportunity for all of us to share our gifts, to continue to grow, to continue to be out in the world. Creative thinkers think progressively, have wrought the procession of progress. Their goodness was not only in their morality, but in their forward-searching minds. No matter how good and comfortable the present situation might have been, these men and women risked discomfort to explore that which it could be. This is true goodness, and it is yours if you want it. Perhaps you and I are too comfortable in life. All your decisions are about the everyday matters of living. You think you are secure both in the now and in the years to come. You may be the one who needs a dramatic change. The routines of comfort always resist dramatic change. They want no new decisions to challenge the security of the moment. They have faith in their innate goodness and believe themselves to be the people worthy of heaven. That's the materialist. And it's not a bad thing. It's alive in the world. It's a popular idea. And I'm not criticizing it, but it's a limitation. Your goal and your decisions regarding it are vital to you. Spiritual thinking is never now thinking. Finished ideas are not creative. Unfinished business is life. Nature is never satisfied. It is always in competition with itself. It is seeking to bring to fruition something better than that which has never been before. Nature is the naturalness of God. It is the mind creating the new. And the improved. All evolution is evidence of the progressive mind thinking in new terms to bring forth improvement. This process is in you. In fact, it is what you are. In fact, it is what you are. It's powerful stuff. So, so our, our, our spiritual practice and our, our affirmative prayer, when, when you go into the um, what do we call it again? Prayer zone. You're in this process. And, and the gift in your life is that there are things that are, are, are not lining up. though. In, there's incongruency. So when you ask for prayer support and you do your work, you're getting support to move it forward. But the, the beautiful thing about it is the shift in consciousness. And the shift in consciousness is where, the, where we, we, we find ourselves living in the grace. Standing in the grace. So it's not just about changing our minds and changing our lives. It is. But it's also stepping into that divine sense of being the I am, which is that dynamic space. And it's the mystery and it's the unknown. It's living in that expectancy, in that, in that kingdom of co-creation, with spirit. Where the spirit. Where the genius that lives in the walls has an opportunity to visit our awareness so that we may express from that. When I was at the, in New Orleans with uh, Ken and Deb Gordon and, and Laura and I stayed a few days afterwards, and we were having dinner, and they were talking about the Asilomar conference, which is our annual conference in the summer. And uh, they said they wanted to bring the, uh, the um, uh, you know, Swami Beyond Ananda, who we brought for our gala a few years ago. And he's a comedian. He stands with the, with a turban, and he does this kind of comedy routine about new thought. And I said, "Oh, don't bring the, the Swami back." I said, "Bring Wayne Lee. Let's bring Wayne Lee." And so one of the ministers knows Wayne. Wayne was going to do a, a performance in Quadra Island as a benefit. And he's, he Wayne has been such an amazing consciousness within this community. I have had I spent a lot of time with Wayne. He invited me to be part of a mastermind group years and years and years ago. And I got to know him really well. And I watched his his shift and change. And Wayne had a decision, and I watched him. Uh, We we sat together and you nurtured in that mastermind, but the decision was he could become really slick and polished as a a, a hypnotist and a magician and head to Las Vegas and work himself up through the chain of command there and become a a very popular uh, celebrity. Or he could continue to connect with this this idea of the shift in consciousness helping empower people through his own modality, through the humor he brings, and then also the, the message he has. And so what he's done is he's made that decision to stay engaged in community and engaged in his own work and to do the work. But it was a decision. And he was here at the earlier service, and, and, uh, and he called me. He was so excited because I, I called and did a little campaigning for him. I said, you know, really, this is a wonderful fit for us. He's been so generous with our community. He's, a, he's just a force for good on the planet, and I think you should you know, give it serious consideration. And, uh, and so he called to thank me. But it, you know, our life is fraught with decisions and awarenesses and relationships, and and so what is it the decision that you can make today for yourself? And what decision can I make today? What can I reinforce in my own experience, and that I decide here and now to change something? That's a challenge. I decide to live a prosperous life, an abundant life. And what that does is it shifts our perception. Part of that decision, all of a sudden we start to see the world in a different way and see the areas where we have abundance in our lives. And and this is this is what we're called to do in in the experience of life is to step into our own divinity, to step into our own I am consciousness and make a difference so that we can have the freedom and and the and the, the life and the vitality and the joy to be on this planet. What if all of us just showed up in the world just so full of joy? You think they could take it at work if we did that? There's a wonderful thing I'm gonna leave you with today. Then we'll bring Amy back up here. And you know, there's Amy. I asked her how long ago she started playing twelve years ago, she started playing the guitar. Twelve years ago. She made that decision. And not only that did you ever practice after you made the decision? Yeah. It's helpful, isn't it? I know like Brian, I'm taking guitar lessons with Brian. I can do one note. It's all the other notes that come after it that's a challenge. Barker says, this is what the book looks like. This, is a, this book is a gem. I, as I said, I've got, I had to stop highlighting. But he says, in the book of Job, we read, the sons of God shouted for joy. And Jesus stated, these things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. He says, these are but the two of the many biblical statements on the subject of joy. If you have a Bible concordance, look up the word joy and happiness and you'll be amazed to find a large number of passages in the Bible that state that joy and happiness are spiritual states that everyone should have in their day-to-day living. So we're a group that we're going to go to the Windspear this year again because I think the, the, the grace that we, we, we cherish and are devoted to is an opportunity to be present in the world. And that we can share. That we don't come together in a sense of obligation and, 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 and um, sadness because someone gave their life to forgive our, our sins. We're not born in original sin, we're born in original ignorance. And as we give our, and we make the decision to live from that Christ consciousness, we're a blessing to the world. So I thank you for your support. I thank you for the continued deep inquiry you do, being here and supporting this conversation. I'm so grateful for community, for community that that stands for this and so much more, to be part of a movement that is moving out into the world in new and powerful ways that right now a lot of it we don't know. But as we continue, I'm going to to, um, Denver in May for our first face-to-face board retreat. And we're going to spend the first two and a half, we're there for two and a half days. The first day we're going to do spiritual practice to continue to do it collectively to see what's alive, to see what's alive, to dip into it. It's such a powerful, powerful process. It's part of what we've incorporated into our community because it's time for us to, to live and move and have our being in love in a deeper and deeper way. And so it is. Mm-hmm.